0: Is this chicken what I have or is this fish? What are you? An idiot sandwich. Idiot sandwich what? An idiot sandwich, Jeff Ramsey. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. How dare you?
1: Congratulations, you're a meathead, son. But you know what? Don't ever put your <laughs> hands in my underwear.
0: This is the lamp. Where's the Offended. Yeah. I mean, you really don't make friends around here, do you? I, I didn't come here for that.
1: Hi everyone. Welcome back to Snapback to Reality, the podcast where we revisit the trash TV we grew up with and love to hate. I'm your host Riley Ennis and this is episode 48. Welcome back everyone. I hope you all are having a wonderful week. Um, thank you all for bearing with me uh, through last week's episode. I hope you all still enjoyed it. I told some stories. I embarrassed myself, so if you haven't listened and you're interested in getting to know a little bit more about me, um, go back and listen to last week's episode. But otherwise, no big updates. Life is just kind of normal. I definitely have some fun stuff planned for the podcast within the next couple of weeks. So I hope that you all will enjoy that. Um, But otherwise, let's get on with this week's show. So like I mentioned last week, we are going to be talking about Kid Nation this week. I'm really excited. I did not know anything about this show until I, like. well, let me say, I'd heard of it not when it was airing, but... I guess like in the years following just in terms of listicles and things like that talking about like the most controversial, most unbelievable reality TV shows, Kid Nation always kept popping back up just because of the premise itself. Um, But it was like nothing that I'd ever really like it had never been on my radar, even in terms of reading the listicles, it was never really something that I had any desire to see. I knew that it was, like, controversial just because of, you know, we'll get into those reasons. But I knew that it was, you know, controversial. But I didn't really get the hype, I guess. And I didn't know what to expect at all. So going into this, I was very fresh. Um, but I do have to say that I really, 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 really enjoyed watching it. And that seems to be kind of the case for a lot of Kid Nation, I guess, fans will say on the internet. I thought that it was going to be mostly people... Um, Who just like thought the show was ridiculous but it seems like a lot of people really enjoyed it and a lot of people like watched it as it was airing back in the day and genuinely enjoyed it so on one hand that makes me feel good that i'm not the only one but i guess on the other hand it kind of makes me feel like a little bit of a rube (laughs) just like the editors got to me but they always do like i say i have like terrible taste i was an idiot like i always the editors always got to me so why should this be any different So, the show ran on CBS. It was only for one season, airing from September to December 2007. On May 14th, 2008, CBS officially announced that the series was canceled, so, no more seasons after that first one. And the premise, in case you are unfamiliar with Kid Nation, is that um, basically they took 40 children, all ranging from the ages of eight, I think eight and a half being the youngest, up to 15. And they tried to have them create a functioning society, which included them having jobs, they had different social classes based on um, who did what, and there was a town council, a government, all of this happening with minimal adult supervision there were also these gold stars that were valued at twenty thousand dollars and then three very special gold stars at the end that were valued at fifty thousand dollars and they were awarded each week to outstanding participants as decided by the elected town council well the first town council wasn't elected but then they went on to have like several elections the show was filmed on location at the bonanza creek movie ranch which is a privately owned town built on the ruins of bonanza city new mexico they make it seem like they're really isolated, but in actuality, the uh, set, I guess we'll call it, was only eight miles south of Santa Fe, New Mexico, and actually... Um, There was a contestant, contestant, participant, whatever we want to call him, one of the participants, Michael, he did a really good, really extensive AMA on Reddit that I highly encourage anyone who's interested or who's seen the show to go look up. And one of the things that he said was that they couldn't film from certain angles because the city lights of Santa Fe, like the light pollution, fucked up the shots, I guess. All of the participants had to miss a month of school in order to participate, but the producer, Tom Foreman, argued that like the show itself was just an educational experience in and of itself, I guess, just because the kids are having to cook and clean and govern themselves and figure out how to create a working society. Um, Foreman... The producer, again, kind of acknowledged that... He kind of acknowledged the controversy um, that the show would inevitably share some elements of Lord of the Flies, which is what a lot of people compared it to. Um, However, obviously, it was not the same thing. Like, the kids didn't go crazy. They didn't, like, immediately devolve into madness because there were adults on hand like there was a camera crew there was of course the producers as well as a medic and a child psychologist the goal was to have this the kids interact with the adults as little as possible but they still did on a daily basis so also in his ama michael um says some other interesting things one of the things he says is that the like producers the executive producers production company you know kind of the people with the original concept I guess Tom Foreman they they really wanted the show to be more like a social experiment kind of truly what does it mean for these children to come out here and actually build a society but it was the network and you know the Hollywood executives who pushed for a more kind of game show format. Um, Michael also spills some tea on some of the other participants, in particular Greg and Taylor. Uh, these were two of the highly featured participants throughout the season. Both were just known for being assholes in their own way. Greg was the oldest boy. He was 15 years old. Um, he he really just like shows you what an, a typical 15-year-old boy is like because he has these moments of maturity, but he also has like a lot <laughs> of immaturity. And... I mean, I don't know, even a lot of the younger kids are more mature than Greg, but they also don't have a bunch of fucking teenage boy hormones coursing through their bodies. So maybe people just, boys, maybe boys just turn into assholes when they hit like 14 and a half. Um, Michael also talked about he, how he and Sophia became really close friends. They were both on the green district together. They also got really friendly with the camera crew to the extent of the camera crew would like leave them snacks in his bunk bag bunk bed sleeping bag whatever um he and Sophia also got to shoot a scene where he was working the camera and Sophia was working the boom mic they just like let them do that play behind the cameras I guess a little bit um he also talks about how he and Sophia asked the executive producers they were trying to convince them to let them like splinter off and form their own just individual district but the producers wouldn't go for that Another thing that he talks about that's pretty interesting, um, especially if you know how to use the, like, remove edit, like, so that you can see deleted comments on Reddit, he talks about um, the different hookups that happened and some of just, like, the the behind-the-scenes kind of, like, gross teenage hormonal stuff. He doesn't go into any explicit detail, and he only really, like, talks about a hookup in in one comment because he thought it was a PM, and for all of the rest he tries to, like, be like, "Oh, I'm not I'm not going to say anything. I think it's classier to not say anything." But he basically does confirm that yeah, since there were a bunch of like 13 to 15-year-olds, there there were some hookups. It was basically like summer camp, he said. So, like I mentioned, the show was obviously quite controversial. Um pre-premiere, it generated a lot of controversy just for its content and what the premise of the show itself was. William Coleman, who is a professor of pediatrics at UNC, University of North Carolina, argued that the younger children, like the ones aged about 8 to about 12, probably wouldn't be able to deal with the stress of such an experience, but they would feel enticed to participate by potential fame or feel pressured to um, do it because of a parent or something. Like, for example, one of the things that they had, the the kids had to do was they killed live chickens at several different points in the season. And that was definitely something that really affected some of the kids who really didn't like to think about chickens being killed. And the ones who killed the chickens themselves, I think they're all fine. Like, I think they're all, like, farm kids who knew what they were doing. But just the fact that, like, these others, like, city kids who've never had to think about, like, you know where their food has come from in their entire life all of a sudden have to go from like not even conceptualizing it to actually like confronting the reality of killing a living thing that's that's a lot to put on a young person's psyche um post premiere it also had a ton of negative reviews uh there was one person who says it was like it was. they basically accused the show of indoctrinating children into consumer culture just based on the fact that like they were given money that they you know, the amount was preset out based on whichever social class they were in that week, which was determined based on who won the challenge of the week. Um, and so they were just given this money and they were able to buy things, but they really didn't have a lot of agency over how they could get money, what they could actually buy. It was all based on what was already provided to them. So there was just, you know, negative reviews based on that it also raised broader questions about the legal implications of whether or not reality show participants are participating um like in a working show are they working actors or are they more like documentary subjects where it's just they're going about their lives i think in this case specifically too like the lines are so blurred because it is sort of a documentary but it does have so many of those like game show elements that make it more like a show where they're working plus these are all children um so that makes the questions a little bit more important as well it also raised questions about the appropriate min- minimum age of reality show participants just in general um and it, it actually caused new mexico to later tighten its regulations on child actors Um, Basically, the producers of Kid Nation used a loophole where they declared the set a summer camp rather than a place of employment, but the loophole has since been closed. Um, So I think that's how they got away with only paying these kids $5,000 for the entire month that they were there, like, working nonstop around the clock other than the children who got gold stars, which was, you know, awarded to them by the town council and didn't really necessarily have any kind of producer interaction or intervention Um, but it's just, like, so fucked up. It's, like, this is a summer camp, and if you're lucky, you know, like, we'll give you $5,000. It's, like, just kidding. Once you get there, you have to work nonstop, and you're basically in, like, a fucking gulag. Also, several kids were hurt during production. Um, so DK, one of the kids, he drank bleach. Now I saw conflicting reports on what con- what type of container the bleach was in. Some people people some reports I don't know um, said that it was in a soda can, which makes no sense. Like why you would have bleach in a soda can, but that makes more sense as to why he would be confused and drink from it accidentally. Um, and then I think in Michael's AMA he says that it was like in a container in a container labeled bleach. So Michael really puts the blame on DK for that you know who's to say what actually happened but um just something that's interesting it's like it's not really confirmed what container the bleach was in uh another kid she was burned by hot grease on her face while she was cooking what's interesting (laughs) is that they do they did make sure to like actually address this in the show um as far as like the bleach scenario like that was never addressed at all or alluded to even in the show it wasn't even like dk isn't feeling well today so he had to like go home or like go to the hospital it was just like nope we're not even gonna address that whatsoever but devod uh they did address the fact that she got burnt by her just saying like you know they made sure to put in her line where she's like it's fine it's happened to me at home before it's not a big deal Um, But her mom filed a complaint for abusive acts to minors and possible violations of child labor laws. The claim was investigated by the Santa Fe County Sheriff's Department, but they found no criminal wrongdoing on the part of the production company. So nothing really came of that. Um, Also, all of the parents did have to sign a waiver before sending their kids off. That basically just removed (laughs) any liability from the production company. Um, They have no responsibility should bodily death or injury occur. Uh, It also included a clause about like sexually transmitted infections and pregnancy. So they, I guess, kind of knew (laughs) or at least expected what might happen with all of these teens running around. Um, So I guess, I don't know how much of the parents had a legal leg to stand on. I don't know how enforceable that uh, waiver was, but just something interesting, the fact that all of these parents had to still sign this and they still sent their kids off. And just one other little fun fact before we jump into things, um, the host, Jonathan Karsh, so he was just like the guy who would kind of moderate the town hall meetings and he would host the um, showdowns that the, the kids would do, the challenges each week. He later, on went, he later went on to be a producer for both Catfish and the TLC show, My Teen is Pregnant and So Am I. <laughs> so you know, just classy, classy stuff in his body of work. All right, how I chose this episode. So this was pretty hard because honestly, like I said, I really liked this show and every episode was pretty good. So it was kind of hard to pick like one in particular that stood out to me. I considered doing one of the election episodes because what I found really interesting was just like the politics and the interpersonal react interpersonal relationships um, of the children and just how they like reacted to things how they reacted to one another kind of governing them. But there were two election episodes so it was kind of hard to choose between the two and there's just. There's just so much that happens like in between. Um, So ultimately what I did was I chose this episode because it ties in pretty well with the interview segment that i'm going to have at the end of the episode um so i did speak to savannah who is featured in this episode um and i got to talk to her about her experience and since this episode kind of has savannah as a centerpiece i thought it would be nice to talk about this one so we are going to recap this is season one of course episode eight starve for entertainment So we get our previously on, um, basically it just says that there were some conflicts between some of the kids. Basically it was between Jared and Devod, I believe, because Devod and her friend were like taking cans of food from the kitchen, opening them, and then like opening a, like a snack shack. And they were like, you can come buy the food. They're like, we can get the food for free in the kitchen. Why should we buy it from you? So that was drama. Um, And then also the town council found a chest full of buffalo nickels, and they decided that they would just pull the money and use it to buy toys for the whole town instead of, like, dividing up the money and giving it out individually. And Nathan won a gold star for his hard work. (laughs) Okay, so it opens on day 23. Um, It opens with Sophia is just lying in the middle of the road because she's bored, basically. She's just decided to get up, lie in the middle of the road, and not say anything, not react to anyone. And a bunch of people started coming up to her and lying down next to her. So all of the kids are so bored in general that they would basically just like to go lie in the middle of the road instead of do anything else. We get a talking head from one of the kids, Mike. Mike is an interesting kid. He's kind of spastic. Like, he... He has a very intense way of speaking at all times. Um, and he was on the initial town council, but he got voted off after the first election, which I think was for the best. I think he was he was really taking, he was feeling the pressure of being on town council. He was taking it really seriously. I think once he got voted off, he was able to just like relax and enjoy the experience a little bit more. Um, so he says that Bonanza City is getting really dull. They just do their chores and they all sit around. And then another kid, Jared. Jared is also another, like, total weirdo, but he's, like, really cute. Um, He says, dance, theater, play, art, all of these things are absent in Bonanza City. Would you like to know one of the callings of the Dark Ages? They ditched art and entertainment. And then another one of the kids, DK, who I mentioned, the one who apparently drank the bleach, says that they're all bored and they're tired of sitting around waiting for something to fall out of the sky. So DK basically decides that they need to have a little town meeting. Uh, He gets up and he like rings the bell that's like in the center of the town and calls everyone together. And I, you know, you would think that like something is gonna come of this, but basically he just calls a town meeting and he's like, we're bored. Like, yeah, you and everyone else, dude. That was kind of unnecessary. Um, But that's it. (laughs) So that was our little like pre-theme song, teaser, stinger, whatever you wanna call it. So we get the little theme where it's just like 40 days. 40 kids no adults except for all of the ones who are there filming them so it cuts back in the town council is walking around together kind of discussing about what to do for fun in the city Laurel who is one of the town council leaders I love Laurel she's like really heavily featured in every episode she's kind of one of the narrators of the season she's got this cute little Boston accent like red curly hair like I could see Laurel being the um, protagonist of like a young adult novel that I would have read when I was like 11 and like really identified with her Um, so Laurel's like this is a tough time right now no one has anything to look forward to So they go to read the journal, and the journal is like this really, I hate it. (laughs) I hate the journal because it's one of the most scripted elements of the show, and I like that's not what I'm about. I'm about the organic interactions like of the kids and seeing them like building a society. But basically what the journal is, is it's ostensibly a collection of writings from the people who used to inhabit bonanza city like back in the 1800s when it was a mining town and they're always writing as if someone in the future like the children who are there are going to be reading and it's like by this time you've been in bonanza city for 23 days and you're starting to realize how boring it can be we are bonanza city failed because we didn't have anything fun to do what will you do at yours like that's what all of the journal entries are about so basically the journal suggests that they put on some kind of show for entertainment and the council decides that a talent show would be the best idea. So at the next meal time, they stand up and they announce to everyone in the town that they're going to be putting on a talent show. And it's going to be the very next day, which is kind of, I mean, I guess they only have a couple of days to get it done because they have a town council meeting every few days. Like they have a showdown every few days. Like each episode takes place over the course of like two or three days, I think. So I guess if this episode's theme is going to be the talent show, it needs to happen within a day or two. But I don't know. I feel like I would need a little bit more time to prepare. And a lot of these kids kind of seem like they wish they had a little bit more time to prepare. But everyone cheers in excitement. They're all ready to do something to alleviate their boredom. So they put up a sign-up sheet and the kids begin to sign up with their acts. Um, One of the kids is named Olivia, and in general, she comes off as really quiet and serious. She has a younger sister, Mallory, who is really cute and sweet. Mallory is like nine. I think Olivia is 12. Um, But Olivia and Mallory both also come from, I guess, like a pretty religious household. And I remember in one of the earlier episodes, there's... Like, the, the theme of the episode is religion and, like, what what is the town going to do for a religious service? Because there's a bunch of different religions. There are Christians and Protestants, Jews and Catholics and and Hindus and atheists and all kinds of different things. And so they're trying to decide what they do. And I think one of the um, town council members suggests that they all, like, have just one big town service with just a different person speaking to represent each religion and I remember Olivia being very adamantly against it because like her and Mallory are Christians and they don't need to hear anyone else's side of things so I never really was into Olivia after that uh seeing that scene but for the most part she's all right (laughs) she just seems very quiet and serious so it's kind of surprising that she's going to stand uh sign up with stand-up comedy so then all around town the kids are practicing for the talent show um dk and has another little talking head here where he says that arts and entertainment are one of the most important things in society today and as a liberal arts major myself you know that i studied english in college and i was really involved in shakespeare in the park um, i really appreciate this episode as a love letter to the arts it's also cute um I don't do a traditional Where They Now, but I do remember reading as I was just going through and looking things up that um, DK is actually into theater now. Like, he's in theater, and I think he's actually been in a few um, television shows as well. So then the town council has another little meeting by the water tower, um, and they have a discussion to... Basically, decide what they're going to do with the gold star this week, and Laurel proposes that this week they give the gold star to the person who wins the talent show. And in general, they always give the gold star to the person who works the hardest, so this week they kind of want to reward the kids who might not be the physically strongest, but who are good socially and who can cheer everyone else up next we get a little scene from one of the kids named kennedy uh she's basically explaining what she's going to do for the talent show which is going to be a comedy dancing act kind of thing what's interesting is that kennedy is like not really featured in the rest of the season like she's in a few other episodes in the background and stuff but she this episode is really where she gets the most screen time and the reason why will become clear later on um but it's just uh yeah, it's just interesting that it's like the, the editors were like, "Oh shit, we got to we got to put some Kennedy scenes in here. Like we got to we got to make her a presence that's known so this ending doesn't come out of nowhere." Um, but she says in her little talking head that she really likes to make herself look like an idiot. Uh, she doesn't mind doing like silly dances or rapping. And then one of the other kids, Guylin, who is a town council member for the Red District, he's the one who replaced Mike who I mentioned earlier. Guyland says in a talking head that Kennedy's the type of person who doesn't care what other people think. Which, you know, that's not a bad type of person to be in any way. Over in the chicken coop, the little weirdo that I said earlier, uh, Jared is practicing for the talent show, uh, along with everyone else in the town, I guess. So he is going to be performing a Shakespearean monologue. He says that Shakespeare is one of the greatest poets and playwrights of all time, which I don't disagree with, but he's like 11, so I don't know how much Shakespeare he knows. Uh, probably probably a good bit. I don't know. He's a weird kid. Maybe he was really into Shakespeare as a child. So he's performing to the chickens, but he keeps stumbling over his words, and in his talking head he says that he's never actually performed Shakespeare before, and he realizes that maybe maybe it was a bad idea, but you know, he's already signed up, so what can you do? Over in another part of town, Sophia tells Olivia that she wants to hear her stand-up routine. Um, Olivia just, like, makes a face at her. And so then she, Olivia has a little talking head interview where she says that she hopes everyone's going to laugh with her and not at her. And one of the other kids says, you know, come on, Olivia's Comedians have to have the courage to do stand-up. And Olivia's, Olivia's like, no, I'm not going to do my routine for you. And Sophia says in her little talking head that she thinks... That everyone. Well, she says that everyone thinks Olivia is a serious person who doesn't really like to have fun, so she has a hard time believing that someone so standoffish can be funny. In another part of town, in the saloon, Greg and Blaine are practicing their act. It looks like they're also doing some Shakespeare. They are doing their own version of the Romeo and Juliet balcony scene. Um, in Greg's Talking Head, he says that he's never read any Shakespeare in his life however he's 15 so I feel like you really should have at least read something by the time you're you get to be 15 like he would have been what a sophomore in high school at this point or at least a freshman I know I'd read at least one I think I read Romeo and Juliet in eighth grade so come on dude Jared says that their act uh Greg and Blaine's act is the craziest and I think he might be offended on Shakespeare's behalf which is kind of funny We get a quick little scene over in the dinner. Um, We have Kennedy and then her friend Savannah are cooking. They're making a Kentucky style dinner since they're both from Kentucky and they're both getting homesick. Um, And Savannah says that her grandmother would be proud of her cooking. And then it's the next day, it's day 24. Um, Olivia just has a quick little scene where she says that she's intimidated by the talent show, but she's really thankful that she has her little sister Mallory who's there with her, who's always just, like, gonna be someone who supports her, and it's cute. And then we see Greg and Blaine doing chores, like, doing, like, heavy chores, filling up water barrels and having to haul those around. And so even though the blue team uh, is upper class this week, so they have four different social classes. The upper class um, don't have any assigned chores. They can just choose to help out or not. And they are given like a full, I think, dollar as their week's wages or wages for the next two days, however long. Um, Then there is the merchant class who make 50 cents, the cooks who make 25 cents, and the laborers who make 10 cents, I believe is how that's all divvied out. Um, so Blaine and Greg are still working, even though they're upper class this week, but then it cuts over to see some of the other blue team girls and they're just laying around in bed talking. Um, this is Natasha and Migle. Um, they say that they're going to take advantage of being upper class. They're just going to sit around doing nothing. Um, and Natasha says in a little talking head here that she's, you know, she's usually the princess of the family back at home. So she doesn't really feel inclined to do anything. Um, Migle says that her and Natasha became best friends once basically the first day that they met there because they like to talk about clothes and boys and everything there is to talk about together. Um, we get a cute little interview talking head segment here from one of the cutest fucking kids on this entire show, uh, Alex. He's nine years old. He's so cute and so smart and so articulate and well spoken. He's adorable. Also in his AMA, Michael kept saying like how awesome Alex was <laughs> and like he was like the best kid ever and that he wasn't showcased enough on the show. Um, but Alex says that some people have said Natasha and meekly are like Paris and Nicole, but he doesn't really know what that means. So Greg and Blaine go over to Anjay. Anjay is like the leader, the district leader of the Blue District. um, And they tell him that since the girls haven't been doing anything, they are considering to um, purposely throw the show down. So if they purposely throw the show down, you know, Blue will get last place. There'll be laborers and the girls will be forced to take out garbage and clean toilets. So Andre really doesn't want them to do that. Obviously, he doesn't want to be a laborer himself. He also doesn't want their team to be last place because that reflects poorly on him as the district leader. Um, But Greg and Blaine basically say that they're going to give the girls one more chance today, but if they don't step it up, they're going to throw it. And they go over and they tell the girls, like they they tell them to their faces. And I will say this, the girls do take it pretty seriously um, because some of the other girls, like the younger girls on the yellow district at different points when they don't want to do something they get a really shitty attitude about it but these older girls they're like 12 and 13. Um, migle says like she wouldn't want to be hated by the rest of their team so they seem pretty well-intentioned on stepping it up we have another quick little scene it's just savannah walking by herself looking kind of sad and alex goes up to her Um, Alex asks her if she's okay and Savannah just says that she's feeling really, really homesick and she really misses her family a lot. And Alex is so sweet. You know, like I said, he's really articulate and well-spoken. He's like, I really, he's like, I don't want you to go. You're a positive contribution to Bonanza City. Um, And Savannah is just having a hard time because she doesn't know what to do. So it's time for the next showdown. Everyone is getting ready in their various like districts. So Andre is really trying to get the blue district pumped up (laughs) and he's like, are we going to win this? Like trying to, you know, get everyone feeling it. And then Greg and Blaine just keep saying no. (laughs) So he's like, no, no, come on, you guys. Are are we going to do this? Are we going to win this? They're like, no. Green is really determined to win upper class because they have never won it before. So they're all really, you know, they're ready to win this. All of the teams run out. Down to the field, down to the showdown, which as we learn in the interview segment that you'll listen to at the end of the episode, um, they had to film a a bunch of times. And then Jonathan, the host, tells them that since this week they've been so focused on arts and entertainment, this showdown is going to be one big art project. So basically he shows them these big paint-by-letters Canvases Um, instead of being a paint by number, it's got these little like squares shapes with various letters R for red, B for blue, so on and so forth. But the catch is that in order to fill in those little shapes, they're going to be using chewed bubble gum to create a picture. So basically, the district leaders are going to have to hand coins to the various members of their district who will have to like run a few yards away to a gumball machine, put in the coin, get the gumball, run back, chew the gumball, give their chewed gumball to their district leader for them to then stick on the board in one of the corresponding color spots and the first person to fill up, or the first team rather, to fill up the entire board wins. Um, The town leaders are really grossed out by the fact that they're going to have to be touching other people's used gum um yeah it's really gross (laughs) also the kids um this always happens but like in each challenge the kids are given a certain amount of time in which all four teams will need to finish and if the teams finish within that amount of time they are rewarded with um various reward options basically it's always a choice between two things and they get to pick between which the two which one they want so the challenge begins, the kids are given their quarters, they run over to the machines. It's really funny because they, you know, put in their quarter, they like turn the the knob, and then the gumball releases and it has to roll down the body of the machine and come out at the bottom. And it's just like funny because you see the kids like screaming at the gumballs to go faster. So they start chewing their wads of gum and they hand them over to the district leaders and they start sticking them on the boards in the various spots. Um, Gylan has a little talking head here where he says that he thought the challenge would be disgusting, difficult, and just all around gross. And as soon as we started, I realized that I was completely right. He said, Zach was also really disgusted. Zach is the leader of the yellow team. Um, he was also really disgusted at having to have handfuls of other people's chewed gum, Uh, but Laurel is like not letting it in. Like, she's not letting the gross factor get to her. She is feeling it. It's her and the green district are in the lead. Um, she's telling her district to choose their gum more. So she's actually kind of using strategy because a lot of, I think the other leaders were just putting the gum on the board as quickly as they could without letting it fully get chewed up to, you know, get to that point of maximum stickiness. So a lot of the gum kept falling off of the canvases for the other teams. Um, Migle is really working hard in the blue district. She really doesn't want the blue district to win the challenge, especially on her behalf. So she's chewing her gum away. Uh, We have a little moment here where it cuts over to a Greg talking head and he says that, to be honest, I'm never planning on throwing a showdown. but you know, there's nothing like a little threat. So they are 30 minutes in, halfway through the challenge, and the kids are starting to feel it. Several of the kids are complaining about their jaws hurting. Um, Some of the kids are doing, like, really desperate things in order to get their gum to stick. One kid, like, just straight up spits on his wad, and Zach is like, I'm not going to take it. You spit on it. That's disgusting. He's whoever, whatever kid spit on it was like, it helps it stick better. Anjay even rechews someone else's gum in order to, like, get it stickier. It's all really gross to watch. It didn't really affect me the first time I was watching it, but then when I went back and I was, like, taking notes and paying attention to everything that was happening, I was, like, "Mm, pretty fucking grossed out. But the Green District is pulling ahead of the others. Uh, Laurel says in a little interview that she's a huge gum chewer, even though that she has braces and that her orthodontist is going to kill her. She's literally, like, physically pushing her jaws together in order to chew faster and harder and then another kid on her team Campbell he starts like dancing as he's chewing he's getting his whole body into it um but Campbell just he's he's living his best life because he loves sugar like he gets a little talking head here and he's like I love sugar without sugar you couldn't live which might be true I feel like you would need at least a little sugar but you could probably live without gum sugar So they have 15 minutes left in the challenge and it's coming down to Blue and Green for the upper class. Some of the gumballs are starting to fall off of Blue's board, like I mentioned, so Green is starting to pull ahead. Green is just about to win, but then they lose two pieces of gum, one after the other. Blue's starting to catch up, but then Laurel manages to get all of her gum to stick. She raises the green flag and Green is the upper class for the very first time, so that was very exciting. They're 23 days in and they're very like upper they're upper class finally. Blue is right behind them and they win as the merchant class. So it all comes down to yellow and red. Um gum keeps falling off of yellow's board, so red manages to pull ahead and they come in third as the cooks. And then finally, there's only one minute left in the challenge in order to finish so that they get the reward for the town. Zach is working really, really hard, but it comes down to the wire and he runs out of time. I think this is maybe not the first time that they've lost the reward or they haven't won the reward, um, but this is one of the few times that they don't win the reward. So it's really disappointing for everyone. Um, however, of course, because it's just good television, they do have to show the kids what they uh, what they would have won. So... The first choice was going to be paint for the kids to paint the town in the colors of their choosing. Just liven up the place, I guess. Option two was an all-night block party for the whole town. Which I guess are two fun things, but they're still going to put on the talent show. They had already planned on doing that, and at least it wasn't a serious reward that they lost, like in one of the earlier episodes where they had the option of getting toothbrushes, which they all chose, um, or fresh produce so they didn't get scurvy. Uh, Just imagine the producers being like, you could have won a bunch of vitamin C, but instead you're not getting anything. So for them to have just lost the block party slash paint, I think is not a big deal. Um, so now Zach says that he thinks the talent show is extra important, he says that, you know, we need to have some fun in this town or it'll fail just like it did in the 1880s. And I really love these little allusions to how this was a real town that failed and now they have a mission to revive the town and build a working society that they all take so seriously. It just, it tickles me whenever, whenever that happens. So we get another scene of Jared practicing his monologue. Um, he's feeling a lot of pressure and he's considering bailing at the last second. And then another cute little scene um, just of the Green District hanging out together and Laurel just says she's so proud of them and that they're gonna celebrate getting upper class for the first time. Meanwhile we get a quick scene with Savannah. Um, Savannah is crying because she's really really homesick and she doesn't know what to do. She's kind of considering leaving but she knows she'll miss everyone there but she knows if she um, goes if she doesn't go she'll miss her family and she'll be miserable. Kennedy has a talking head where she says that Savannah is one of her best friends there and she's the only other person from Kentucky and she wouldn't know what to do if she left. Um, So Savannah says that she loves the people that are there, but she doesn't really like the place and the place is starting to overwhelm the people and she just doesn't know what she's going to do. So it's the next day. It's the day of the talent show. Olivia is practicing her stand-up routine and she is nervous. Jared is still working on his monologue. He says that this is not enough time to memorize a monologue. But it's time for the talent show and everyone begins to gather in the saloon for it. Gylan has a talking head where he says that he's hoping the talent show will make people happy and make them want to stay in Bonanza, especially Savannah. They decided that Mark Hell was going to be the MC for the talent show. And this is kind of one of the few moments when Mark Hell really gets featured. Um and he's a really great MC. He's like very naturally charismatic. So, up first, we have a kid named Kelsey. Uh, She plays the piano. She's obviously quite talented. She plays the piano better than I ever fucking could in my entire life if I practiced for 10 years. Um, Guilin says in his little talking head that Kelsey's piano playing was amazing. I honestly thought Chopin had come back from the dead. And I just really love encouraging how all of the kids are to one another. It's really sweet. Um campbell the kid from earlier who was dancing and chewing his gum he dedicates his talent to his bird aj because that's the one who taught it to him and he does a very loud and very accurate bird call um someone else um i forget his name he's one of the older kids who doesn't get a lot of screen time but he plays the piano and sings i think in wikipedia it says i think his name might be eric and it says that he sings an original song called leaving new jersey And then Jared goes up for his Shakespearean monologue. So it is from King Henry V. Um, The editors are being kind of shady here because as he's giving his monologue, the music is sort of silly and it just kind of pans to the audience and shows lots of different shots of the kids just sort of staring back at him kind of blankly or looking kind of confused. However, Zach does have a talking head where he says that he thought the monologue was great. And then once Jared is done, everyone does cheer very loudly. Um, and Jared has his own talking head where he says, you know what? It wasn't the worst. So next Greg and Blaine come up to perform their scene, whatever it is. Um, and it's interesting because there's obviously multiple scenes, like it's a little miniature play or whatever, but we never really get a clear idea of what is happening because at one point greg goes up on stage he goes behind a door and he's like oh no one laugh and then he comes out and he's wearing a gingham dress but then all of a sudden the scene just like switches perspective and greg is suddenly in a hat and a leather vest and blaine is the one who's in a black dress and a feather of boa um so i don't know what's going on with all of that but they had something going on but you can tell everyone's really enjoying it they're all being silly and everyone's laughing (laughs) and then at the end markel is i guess sort of like what's the opposite of introducing, (laughs) like, I don't know, you know, like, when you, the MC says something about the act that just happened, um, and he says, I wouldn't say it was hilarious, but it was weird, and then you hear one of the other kids just in the audience yell out, broke back mountain, which, I mean, I definitely got some, like, I don't want to say gay vibes from Greg, because it wasn't even, like, he It wasn't, like, a gaydar, but it feels like the relationship that he had with Blaine, like, the friendship that he had was one of those, like, maybe really intense friendships that has, like, some romantic attraction behind it, but you don't really understand that that's what's happening because you're a kid and you've never really considered yourself as being gay at all. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean when I describe it like that? So anyway, that, I just, I don't know. Maybe someone else picked up on that as well. And, and that's why they yelled out Brokeback Mountain. Maybe I'm not the only one who thought that. Um, another kid, um, she is not really featured a whole bunch in the season. I think her name is Jasmine because I think she gets a talking head a little bit earlier this episode. But she sings and she gets quite the ovation. And then it's finally time for Olivia's much-hyped stand-up comedy act. Now, I personally didn't like it, um, I, it just seems like all of the material for the most part is aimed at other people, and and it just seems a little bit mean-spirited. So for example, um, one of one of her jokes is, Andre is smiling all the time. If you told him to jump off a cliff, he'd still be smiling. Which is like it doesn't it's not mean like that's not really a mean thing to say about someone but it just seems mean spirited because Olivia kind of bullies Anjay the rest of the season and she just kind of treats him really shitty um, even when he's obviously just trying to do the best thing for his district. I guess it's not really like I can't decide if these things are maybe it's fine because is a town council member and then the other thing she says is Greg and Blaine I could invent three million jokes about them but look at them they are the joke like I guess it's technically it's fine because she's punching up right like Greg and Blaine are both like older boys and then is like a boy who's on the town council they all have power as opposed to Olivia but it just I don't know there's something about it that just doesn't sit right with me But the rest of the kids seem to really like her routine. Sophia even says that she was impressed. Everyone's laughing and clapping. So Olivia does a good job. And then next up is Kennedy. Um, And so Kennedy says that she just mostly wants Savannah to feel better and she's not afraid to make an idiot of herself in order to do so. So she gets up on stage and she puts on a feathered mask and boa and she does a little rap. She says that she's gonna start out with a little rap and then she's gonna go into some wicked dance moves. Um, and so her rap is, hi, my name is Kennedy. I'm bringing the melody. I dance like, like a penguin. So watch this buffoon rock this saloon. And she starts dancing and she's you know just breaking it down. Everyone's laughing and cheering. And Andrzej says that her act was just straight up funny and she didn't mind making a fool of herself, which is awesome. So that's it, that's the talent show. Markel stands up and asks if there's anything that anyone else wants to do at the end. And Savannah raises her hand out of the crowd and she says that she doesn't have a talent, but she does have an announcement that she'd like to make. So Savannah gets up on stage and says that since they've had the talent show, she's had a lot of fun and she feels a lot better and she's decided that she's going to stay. And so everyone cheers for her and she says that it made her feel better knowing that everyone wanted her to stay. After the talent show is over, um, there's a quick little scene with Kennedy and Savannah just talking together and Kennedy talks to Savannah and thanks her for deciding to stay. And they just had both really bonded over both being from Kentucky and Kennedy would have missed her. Um, and Savannah's glad that she decided to stay as well. So that's sweet. So then the town council holds a little town meeting, um, like individually where the kids can come in and cast their vote and just make their, vo- their voices heard on who they think should get the next gold star. Um, and so the town council specifically asks for people to take into account people who, someone who makes the town feel better, someone who always has a smile on their face, someone who entertains them. Uh, Devad is first, and she nominates herself because she usually does. Guylin has a little interview section where he says that all she does is cook potatoes, and she's going to need to do more than that to be a gold star contender. Um, I think Devad was even known as just potato girl like that was her nickname because all she did was cook her fried potatoes and then try to sell them at her snack shack a few different people say that Olivia should win based on her stand-up routine and then Olivia herself actually nominates Kennedy uh Sophia uh nominates Kennedy as well and then Kennedy votes for Sophia who's already won the first gold star so technically she's still eligible but she there's there's like 40 kids and like I don't know, 10 gold stars that they get to give out, I don't think people should be getting two. So in general, the town council is kind of down between Olivia and Kennedy as well, based on, I guess, just based on their performance at the talent show. So everyone gathers together for another town hall meeting, and Jonathan, um, the host, <laughs> I feel like I always need to explain who he is, because he's just like this random man who pops up out of nowhere, but he asks if there are other, any, any other hidden talents that weren't showcased in the talent show. And DK stands up and asks for Laurel to sing. The, chan- the town chants for her to sing. So Laurel stands up and she sings Amazing Grace. And she's actually really, really good. Like she's better than I thought she'd be. So that's nice. Jonathan asks if anyone wants to go home and no one raises their hand. So Savannah has committed to staying. And now it's time for the most exciting part of every town hall meeting, which is giving away another gold star. As Jonathan says, he says every single time, it's worth $20,000. And I always wonder, like, how? (laughs) Like, who who evaluated the gold stars? It's supposedly, like, it really is just, like, a two-pound chunk of gold in the shape of a star. I really wonder like how they cashed them out um in his AMA Michael says that you get to choose between the gold star or a check and he chose a check because he didn't know how he'd cash it out but the price of gold has apparently like risen so if you were to just pick the gold star and and hold on to it I guess you'd be in better shape I don't know it's just so weird they like gave out actual hunks of gold so the town council huddles one last time while they deliberate and then Zach stands up and he announces that the gold star is going to go to Kennedy. So Kennedy gets up and she seems like she's in awe. Um, she collects her gold star and <laughs> she's like, thank you. She's like, I'm just thinking it's really heavy because <laughs> it's like literally two pounds of solid gold. Um, What's interesting in her little like thank you speech, because she does give a little speech, um, is that she says that she, she basically thanks the council for recognizing that you don't have to be one of the quote cool kids or quote popular kids, which is interesting because she was really not featured in any of the episodes at all up until this one. And I wonder if the group of kids who came up more often and were featured more heavily were just the ones who were more popular just popularity more outgoing more willing to talk to the cameras or talk to producers it's just kind of something that I I wondered based on her speech Um, I just wonder if their general popularity was reflected in the screen time that they got so Jonathan gives her the key to the one working phone in Bonanza City and she goes off to call her parents Um, but first we get a really cute talking head where she holds up her gold star and she says that this is my most precious jewel of hard work and weirdness and I love it and it's really sweet so Kennedy calls her mom and tells her about the gold star and how it's worth $20,000 and her mom cries and she cries. And what's interesting about this is whenever the kids go and talk to their parents after they've won their gold star is that we are actually seeing their parents' reaction as well. And so Michael says in his AMA that a like the crews were all flown out, like there were individual film crews flown out to the parents and the reactions, like the phone calls were recorded live on both ends. So I'm so curious about, like, how that happened, like, how that was set up. Did they did they win the gold star? And then Jonathan was like, oh, here's your key. Like, go to the one working phone. And then they run outside and the producers are like, all right, hold up. We have to call your parents and tell them to expect a film crew and make sure they're going to be available for a phone call and it's going to be tomorrow at 6 p.m. Or, like, I just I just really wonder. But Also, Kennedy's mom is wearing, like, a pink bow and, like, a pink sweater set and pearls and... It's a little bit Dolores Umbridge for me, but you know, whatever, to each their own. So finally, after Kennedy is done calling her mom, DK and Morgan talk to her in the street about her gold star. They're congratulating her and hugging her and Devad just looks on in jealousy um, and it's kind of funny. Um, it ends with Devod giving a talking head saying that she dis- she's disagreed with some of the council's decisions on who gets a gold star. And She's like, I just think the gold star should go to someone who works hard Oh, anyway, can't judge people. <laughs> she's, like, very obviously judging people in her mind. And it really makes it look like there's going to be some plot point, like, later on in the season that's going to happen with Devad. That she's going to, like, blow up on the town council. Or she's going to, like, scheme her way into getting a star. Or, like, something is going to happen. But really nothing ever comes of it. So it just kind of, like, a loose end that wasn't really tied up. And then as the credits roll, we do see this cute little scene of the kids crowded around a piano, and they're singing a song about Bonanza City, um, and so that's something that you'll hear uh, Savannah mention in the little interview segment that comes next, is like it wasn't something that was featured really heavily, but we do get that cute little moment right there. So if you do want to go back and look for what she's talking about, it's in this episode. All right, so that is the end. Um, So like I said, instead of doing a traditional where are they now, I am going to do um, a little segment, an interview segment where I talk to Savannah and talk about some of her thoughts on being on the show and where she is now. Uh, there's a wikipedia page that has like all of the kids like what they're up to not all of them what they're up to but a lot of them what they're up to so check out the wikipedia if you want to where they now there's also 40 kids so like that's a lot to go into so anyway listen to this very interesting interview segment with savannah instead All right, so today I have a very exciting little segment. I am doing an interview with someone who was a participant on Kid Nation. Um, So Savannah, would you like to introduce yourself?
0: Yes, uh, hello everybody. My name is Savannah Sargent and I was a person that was on Kid Nation. I was 10 years old when I was on the show and now I am 23. Um, So I just wanna hear Pretty much everything about what your
1: experience was like on the show, but kind of just starting at the beginning, how did you even find out about it?
0: Okay, so this is um, kind of funny. It's funny to me, anyways. But so I don't know if you know about any of the other kids that got selected to be on Kid Nation. Um, a lot of them had really remarkable childhood. Uh, Like, Anjay, for example, he won the National Spelling Bee Mm -hmm. as a kid, like, several times. Uh, There was other people who just had, like, you know, outstanding things that they did as a kid. But me, I really didn't have anything too exciting happen to me. Um, I kind of got recruited by CBS. My dad uh, had made a Survivor audition tape, and I was in his video. And CBS called him. And well, of course, whenever you apply for Survivor, you have to list, you know, your family, the ages of your family, like just all different stuff. So they contacted him and was like, hey, uh, we saw your audition tape, and we saw on your application that you had a kid within the age range that we needed. Um, we're thinking about doing like a new kids reality series, Uh, would your daughter Savannah be interested in doing an interview with us? And, of course, my dad was, like, really excited whenever he got a call from CBS. He thought, like, oh, wow, I'm going to get on Survivor. (laughs) But they were not interested in him. They are interested in me. And I went to um, an interview in Lexington, Kentucky, on my 10th birthday. And there are several producers for the show from the show that uh, interviewed me and they gave me a call back and they were like, yeah, we really like you. We want to send you out to California. You and uh, me and my dad went for a week and I did more interviews. I met with like all different kinds of people from CBS and whenever, after we got home, it was pretty shortly after I got home, they called me again and were like, yeah, we want to have you on the show. uh, If, you can like work it out with school because I mean, I was in fourth grade and like went to public school. So like, I had to be excused. That was another issue with the show was like, they had several kids from New York um, that they wanted to be on the show and something with like New York school system wouldn't let them like those on a state level wouldn't let them miss the rest of the school year to come. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. Um, Which I guess is like another issue with, kids reality shows is, you know, we're missing out on educational time, but anyway, so yeah, I just said sure, and they worked it out, and I came. Wow, okay,
1: so what were you thinking when you first got there? Did you have any idea that it was going to be as hard as it was, where it was just you guys alone building a society, or did you think it was going to be something different than that?
0: Uh, no, we really didn't know anything we were getting into. <laughs> I didn't anyways. I mean, I mean maybe some of the other kids had a better idea, but just based off of what they told me and my parents, I had no clue. Like I literally packed summer clothes. Okay? It was March in New Mexico. In a very high elevation. It was very cold. Like, I literally packed shorts and t-shirts. Oh, no. So, yeah, I had no clue what to expect. Uh, they kind of explained it to us like it would be a summer camp, and there will be adults there, but we just wouldn't be able to talk to our parents, but there's still going to be adults there, um, and there were. There was camera crew and producers, but it wasn't it just wasn't what I, what we thought it would be. <laughs> so when you get there and you see that you're just in this ghost
1: town by yourselves with like very little adult interaction, what was, what was your like reaction to those first few days? Cause I'm sure those were extremely hard.
0: Yeah. So really the first day was the hardest because um, they just dropped us off and we didn't, we had very little instruction on what we were supposed to do it was supposed to be up to our uh, town council leaders to tell us what to do. Well, they really didn't know what to do either. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was just kind of a free-for-all at first. And looking back, there was really – there's a lot of issues with, like, the producers and stuff. They didn't understand how challenging it was going to be to work with kids. Because, I mean, like now it's pretty common for – kids to be on reality shows like there's all these kids cooking challenges and just different stuff back then there really wasn't any reality shows that were based around kids Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I mean there was just a lot of challenges that the producers came across that they weren't expecting um it was just like we didn't have electricity so their cell phones died and like there was lack of communication between all the producers. It was just kind of a train wreck at first. Um, It got better as time went on. We kind of figured it out and got into the swing of things, but the first day was really rough.
1: So what did you think of the town council and I guess just like the government system that they set up in general? Um, obviously you weren't expecting it cause you didn't know what you were getting yourselves into, but when you arrived and you were just told like, Hey, these four people are in charge of you and their kids, your own age, what was your thought with all of that?
0: Uh, like for me personally, and I think this goes for a lot of kids and even kids now, when an adult tells you like, okay, here's the rules, this is what it is, we don't really challenge it. Mm -hmm. So, they just told us, okay, here's your town council leaders, and we were like, okay, cool, like, we don't care who it is, we just follow the rules and do what we were told to do. Uh, And so, I don't think that was really a big issue. It was later on that the town council became an issue, and all the kids decided we needed to re revote and change things up. But initially we we're just like, okay, we'll go with it. They obviously have some kind of qualification that can let them lead us.
1: So that was yeah. the next thing I wanted to ask too, was um, how things kind of changed and what led to the elections and just what was your thought and all of that? Because for me watching, I had never seen the show when it was airing. Um, I was actually, I'm, I'm 27 right now. So I was, the age of a lot of the kids who are on the show, Um, but I didn't ever see it until I just watched it last week for the very first time. And so watching it, to me, like the politics and the elections were kind of the most interesting episodes. Um, So I was just kind of wondering what your thoughts were just living through that process.
0: Yeah, so um, we all wanted to have elections, but I guess we didn't realize that we were allowed to change things up. And so the producers kind of pushed us to do that. They were like, "Yeah, you're allowed to do that if you want to change. You know, your leadership. That's fine." Um, but I guess it just what led up to that was us finally realizing, okay, these kids are just kids too, and they don't know anything more than we do. So, what makes them more qualified? Like, we can do just as just as good a job as those leaders. And that was for the other teams. My team, I was on the green team the green district and we really liked our leader. She was great. We were all happy with it. We all got along really well. We were probably the least problematic, I guess you would say (laughs) on any of the districts. We just were kind of like, okay, this is fine. We uh, we're all really close. And so we didn't, um, which you watch the show. We didn't change our leadership Mm -hmm. after the first and really we wouldn't have voted Laurel out if it wouldn't have been for Michael just wanting the leadership position, we were all like, "Yeah, okay, cool. We'll let him do it. <laughs> Give him a chance to try it out." So that's kind of that's how it was from my perspective.
1: So to me, it seemed like that second town council that happened after the first vote was really the um, one of the most effective because it seemed like it was who the people had really chosen. And then when it got to the the third town council after the second vote, when it was all just the four oldest boys, there was a lot of, um, I guess, contention, we'll say kind of what some of the guys. So what did you think about that when it was all of the four guys who were leading just towards the very end?
0: Um, yeah, towards the end, that was just kind of, I'm not going to say a free for all, <laughs> but it, it was just like, it was towards the end of our time there. We didn't really care as much. Uh, we were just like, let's just see what happens. Kind of whoever wants it can have it and just see how it goes, um, we, we did end up getting kind of frustrated with that last set of leaders. Like, we weren't frustrated with Michael, but just the other boys that were the leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of regretted that decision, but at that point, it was too late. <laughs> so, we just had to deal with that till the end of the show.
1: Um, and what did you think about the whole Gold
0: Star process? Um... <sighs> So at the time, I did. Now, what I think of it, I think that um, it was kind of set up for the older kids to win a gold star. Um, I don't know if that was the producer's intention before the show, but looking back, that's just how it played out. Um, winning the gold star really wasn't about what kid worked the hardest, even though. That was the description of it, and that's how the show portrayed it. It was really about like, self-promotion and like, who can let the other kids know, like, hey, I worked really hard this week, or hey, I carried 25 buckets of water. Like, Look at me. Look at what I've done. Um, so I think a lot of the younger kids got overlooked because they didn't really have that awareness of people don't know what I'm doing unless I tell them hmm. Which okay. sucks because there was a lot of younger kids that worked really, really hard, like several younger kids that really should have got a gold star and they didn't. Um, so, you know, that kind of I don't think that really worked out how it should have at the time. I didn't realize all of that. At the time, I was like, "Oh man, they just got noticed." You know, that's just how it works. I personally didn't do anything that I thought would deserve a gold star. Like, I just <laughs> did my normal job. I didn't go above and beyond. So I, I'm not saying that from a place of like, "Oh, I should have deserved one." Just that there was some other kids. Um, I can't even think of kids names now that I'm on the spot but just some some of the kids that were younger that did a lot of hard work and they didn't get noticed so that's kind of crappy I wish that there was a different way that the gold stars could have been distributed but that's just the way it goes
1: yeah, it was frustrating for me to watch because I really wanted everyone to get something because I thought that you yeah. know you all deserved it just by being there and I thought that at the at the end they'd have the big reveal was that everyone was going to get a regular gold star and then they'd have the three special gold stars. Um so I was yeah. really disappointed when that didn't happen.
0: Yeah, I think um at the but by the end of the show everybody was just like so tired, so ready to leave. We're like we don't care, they can Take everything we have, and it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, looking back, I agree. I wish that they could have. We we all did get a stipend. It was just like five thousand dollars, which is not enough money for what we had to do <laughs> Definitely at all. Not. Like, that's, that's not even minimum wage dollars.
1: for the job that you all worked.
0: No, not at all. And like we technically were working really long hours, which is really one of the reasons why the show got canceled. But um, that's a whole other topic. But like we were up at seven a.m. We didn't go to sleep till like eleven o'clock. The cameras were on all day, so like technically we were working from seven to seven a.m. to eleven p.m. every single day. Wow. If you want to look at it that way, yeah.
1: Yeah, for forty days straight, basically. Yes. Yeah. Um, so there was the one episode that featured the talent show, and so that was kind of your moment where you were kind of a featured person in that episode. So kind of what, I just wanted to know like your thoughts on that episode in general?
0: yeah, that was um that was a lot of fun. That was probably one of my favorite memories from the whole show. Um, I, we I think all of the kids really enjoyed the talent show. That was another one of the producers' ideas. We didn't really come up with that on our own (laughs) um but it worked out really well we really liked it it was fun uh I was super homesick at that point and I was just tired and ready to go home and um Kennedy really encouraged me to stay and I'm glad she did because looking back I would have been really mad at myself if I would have went home and not saw the whole thing through but um yeah that was that was a really good memory from the show Awesome. Um, are you still close with anyone? Like do you keep
1: in touch with Kennedy or any of the rest of your teammates?
0: Um, not on a regular basis, but we have talked throughout the years. Um, I think a couple years after the show was over, I actually went and visited Kennedy. She's from Ashland, Kentucky, which is about three and a half hours from where I'm from. Mm-hmm. And actually I talked to Olivia. The other day, she just came out, and she is releasing a book about the experience. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I actually messaged with her the other day and talked about how she wrote her book, and she's looking for a publisher so she can get the book published. Yeah, so that's really exciting. You'll have to look for that if it ends up getting published.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm definitely hoping that she finds um, a publisher and a market
0: for that because I'd love to read it. Yeah, I I did too. I was like, Olivia, can you send it to me? She's like, <laughs> No. <laughs> I just wanted to read it and see. Um, because I think even though all of us kids were there and we experienced the same thing, we took different things away from the whole experience. Like we have different memories of it. So it it's really it would be really interesting to me to read somebody else's perspective of the whole show, especially an older kid because she is several years older than me. Hmm. Yeah.
1: So I know you didn't have too much interaction with the adults who were there um, just on set with you, but of the interaction that you did have, like, what were your thoughts just with the various crew members, the producers, things like
0: that? Um. So each district or, yeah, each district was assigned two producers and I think they call them handlers. I don't know why that that's the term, <laughs> but so... You know, there's five girls and five boys on each district. There was a female and a male producer that was assigned to us. The one that was assigned to me, her name was Gina. They slept, they actually slept um, like either in the building next to us or if there was like two rooms in one building, they were there every night. And so if anything bad happened in the night, like, you know, some weather related or somebody got sick or just anything, they were there. So we had, we did quite have quite a lot of interaction with, you know, our specific assigned producer, Mm -hmm. but uh, like we talked to him every day, um, a couple of times throughout the day, just, they just checked in with us, made sure, you know, everything was fine because they were concerned with like the health of everybody. They wouldn't let somebody get sick or anything and not take care of them. But it wasn't like a, Comforting interaction—they weren't like, you know, give you a hug, pat on your back, say, "Oh, it's okay, you'll make it." It was just like, "Are you okay? Are you ill? Are you gonna make it through the day?" Okay, you're good. Talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> it was that kind of thing. Um, and then the camera crew—they didn't speak to us at all. It was really strange. It's really weird being in front of a camera as a kid, anyways, because mm-hmm. you you don't know if you want to talk directly to the camera or pretend the camera's not there. Like, there's not really, they didn't prepare us for that. So uh, it was strange being around a lot of people who are just there but don't really talk to you.
1: Yeah, I can imagine that being super weird. Um,
0: Yeah,
1: especially as a kid, it's just kind of like, you don't know what to expect with that. So the other thing I wanted to ask about were the challenges that you guys had to do, the showdowns, I think they were called? Yeah, yeah. What was your um, thought doing that? I was surprised because, all, like I said, I had never seen the show before watching it literally a week ago. Um, and I thought it was literally just like you guys are working at a society. I didn't think it was going to be so game showy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was weird. Um, and the producers tried to get us to be excited for the challenges, But honestly, we didn't want to do them. We were like, man, we have to do another challenge. Like, this sucks. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, they were, I'm not going to say they were fun. The actual, like, challenge portion of it was fun. But the whole entire day leading up to the challenge and after the challenge was horrible. Because, I mean, I don't know if you know how, you know, TV shows and, stuff like that works but we had to reshoot the intro mm. to those challenges like you know how it shows us running through and like we're all excited and running up to the challenge we had to do that probably like 30 to 40 times before we could even do the challenge oh and my so god. Like god yeah it was horrible and so we're like tired and just kind of over it And then after the challenge was over, it took forever. Like we couldn't just, it wasn't as simple as the show made it out to be. We didn't just like finish the challenge, make a decision. That was like a three hour process after the challenge was over of like setting up the boxes for the stuff that we could win after the challenge and like getting the right angle for the town council to make their decision. It was just, The whole, every day that was a challenge day, all of the kids just really didn't look forward to it. We're like, man, this is just horrible. Um, But the challenges themselves, like the actual hour or 30 minutes or however long it was that we were spent doing the challenge, that was fun. I mean, the producers, I thought, kind of, they were creative with the different challenges that we had to do. Um, It was pretty interesting, but, yeah, not my favorite part, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, they were pretty creative, though. Um, and
1: then I wanted to ask what your thoughts were about the whole reward system. How was that and how is it having the uh, decisions made? In general, I was very impressed with the level of responsibility that the town council took in selecting whichever reward they chose. But what did you think is being there?
0: Yeah, so, you know, we honestly were on survival mode the whole time. Like, all we thought about was, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? Do we have the right facilities for this stuff? Do we have, you know, the best, the the things that we need to make it? So, it really wasn't that big, that hard of a decision of going between the item that we needed and the item that we wanted. Uh, It was pretty straightforward with all of the kids, even though the show kind of, Portrayed some of the kids like wanting the the item that you know would appeal to kids. Mm -hmm. In reality, we were just like, yeah, we definitely want the food, or yeah, we definitely want the extra porta potties. Like, it was no questions asked. That what that's what we wanted. Um, So then, at towards the end of the season,
1: it was kind of like time to pick a fun reward because you guys had always chosen the responsible one. So that's when the arcade came in. Um, So what were your thoughts with the arcade? Because that became such a plot point for like the end of the season and what the arcade was doing and how it was tearing the town apart.
0: Yeah, the arcade was a bad choice. It was horrible. (laughs) Um, I mean, kids just have no self-control. That's all that it boils down to is kids just – they can't say, okay, I'm going to come in here and spend, you know, 30 minutes playing a game. Then I'm going to get back to what I'm doing. Um, If there's no strict or clear-cut rules on, you know, how much time to spend, kids are just, they can't control themselves. So, of course, it didn't go well. (laughs) I mean, that is to be expected. And I'm sure the adults at the time were like, oh yeah, they're falling into the trap. They're (laughs) proving why they can't be on their own. Um, But yeah, it definitely was a major problem for the whole town. I think.
1: Did you agree with the decisions that they took later on to kind of police the arcade um, first with like the sheriff and like locking the arcade before (laughs) chores were done and then just deciding to lock it up altogether?
0: Yes, for sure. Um, Locking it up altogether was the best decision they could have made. (laughs) Um, And like the whole sheriff thing, Sophia had kind of already been a sheriff, if you want to say, um throughout the whole show she was a leader but without the title so that position for her that she had already been doing that anyway so it was nice that they recognized her for what she had been doing um but locking up the arcade that was the best choice they could have made for sure and so then the show has
1: definitely had like some controversy um a lot of the things that people talk about when they talk about the show is the fact that there were some kids who got hurt. So what was your experience with that? Did you ever
0: get injured or what did you think when you saw other kids getting injured on the show? Uh, No, I personally didn't. Um, But yeah, there were several, several kids that got hurt. uh, And I'm surprised more kids didn't get hurt, honestly. And more kids didn't get sick from what we were eating or, you know, kitchen-related accidents. I'm surprised we didn't, like, catch something on fire. Like, there was just so much that could have went wrong that thankfully didn't. Um, but, yeah, I think they, like, the producers handled it well, but there should have been more preventative measures set in place because, I mean, there was just too much access to stuff, like, you know, the cleaning supplies that we had and um, just different things that really could have went wrong. Uh, like one girl, she got burnt with grease and not that you can 100% prevent that, but they kind of, I, I think personally, if they would have brought us down like a day early before they started filming and been like, okay, listen. If there's a grease fire, you put it out with flour. If there's, you know, don't mix ammonia and bleach. Don't do certain things that like a 10 year old really doesn't know. Um, that would have prevented a lot of stuff. And it's sad that a lot of the kids did get hurt. It's really upsetting looking back now that I'm an adult that we didn't have any supervision on all of that stuff. Um, but, yeah, I feel really bad for all of the kids that did get hurt. It's it's a shame. It really is. Mm. And then are there
1: any other kind of just, like, things that happened that, you know, we didn't see on camera? Obviously, there were so many kids who were there that only a few really got featured. Um, but I just wanted to know if there were, like, any fun moments or, like, stories or, like, behind-the-scenes secrets that you want to share.
0: Um probably one of my one of the fun moments that a lot of people didn't get to see and I hate that they didn't include it in the show which they did for just a moment I think it's on the last episode where we're all singing like the little bonanza song did you do you remember that did you watch that part? That sounds kind of familiar I'd have to go back and rewatch yeah. the end so like we all made a full like a several minute long song about bonanza and it was really fun for all of the kids to like sing it and we all got together and like somebody played the piano. Um, it was a lot of fun. I really liked that. That was like one of my favorite moments of the whole show. And then like, as far as behind the scenes goes, cameras were always on. Um, so there wasn't really anything that happened that like cameras didn't that weren't there for but uh I do remember one night some of the older boys snuck out like they left the town because at night we didn't have mics on so nobody was like listening to us and I don't know how far they got or where they went but that was like the talk of the town for (laughs) probably a week it was like oh my gosh I can't believe that those boys, like, went out at night and just left. Uh, They came back, of course. But (laughs) still, it was just kind of, you know, crazy for us to be like, wow, I can't believe they would sneak out. Like, this is just crazy. Um, We did have pretty much free reign on what we could do. You know, they let us, if we wanted to go outside of the town and, like, play or run around or do whatever, we were allowed to do that. Um, So, it's not like they would have been in trouble for sneaking out. We just thought like, wow, they are so brave for going out at night. And that was kind (laughs) of crazy behind the scenes. We had, so back and forth to our challenges, they took us on like big charter buses. Mm -hmm. And this is honestly embarrassing, (laughs) but um, they would play like music and inside the charter bus, I guess, whatever company they had that they rented those buses from, They would have like strobe lights and like flashing different color lights like you'd see at a club or like somewhere that you would dance and like they would play music and all of the kids would get up and dance and like act like it was a club. (laughs) (laughs) Like we thought we were just, you know, adults. Like we were out, we were clubbing like in the bus on our way to our challenges and our you know, color coordinating sweatpants. (laughs) We just thought that was like the funnest thing ever. Um, and so that's something that you definitely didn't see on camera that was just kind (laughs) of funny. That's super cute. Yeah. Uh, So I
1: wanted to know if the producers were to contact you today and say, we're doing Kid Nation reunion, we're getting everyone back together, you're going to do the same thing all over again, but as adults this time, would you do it?
0: Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, I'm in grad school right now. So as long as I can, you know, get away from school long enough to do it, I would do it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now I know, now I have the experience, and I understand how TV works, and I understand how it goes. I think that uh, I would have a lot better experience the second time around, okay. for sure. Yeah. And so it
1: sounds like, in general, you have a pretty positive opinion. So I just wanted to ask, like, what is your opinion on the concept of the show? Like, there's obviously the mixed feelings. Like, it's a shame that kids got hurt. They obviously could have taken better safety precautions there, but... Do you do you regret it at all? Do you think that it was a great experience? Just what do you think?
0: Oh, I definitely don't regret it. I'm glad that I went and I'm glad that I stayed. Um, but that being said, I think the whole concept of the show is just like ethically not okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> just you know, at, on a moral level, that is just not a good idea. I don't know who thought that that was going to work out and be good and like be a long-standing reality show, but they just really should have put some more thought into that. <laughs> um I did have a good experience. Nothing bad happened to me, you know, physically. It was demanding. Mentally, it was very tough, but um and I'm glad that I did it and it was fun. Glad that it's over. But looking back, that's it's just a bad idea to do that with kids. I like, <laughs> yeah. should never do that again. <laughs> I'm glad there say, wasn't. <laughs> I will say they did an
1: excellent job editing it because I was just very inspired. And I was like, maybe our nation should be led by kids.
0: Yeah. So I think that ultimately the producers and, you know, the people who are behind the show they got what they wanted out of it, but, um, it, it definitely, we needed a lot of direction. The producers did direct us a lot. You know, there are certain kids that they really coached into their roles and really pushed to, you know, act a certain way or be a certain way, which is kind of crappy for them because they were portrayed badly. But, um, it took a lot of work from the producers at the show. It wasn't just all us doing that on our own. Um, so I think that's a testament to kids are not capable of being on their own. <laughs> they need help. <laughs> okay. I'm glad
1: that you're here to say that and snap me back to reality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, is there anything else that I didn't ask you about that you'd like to talk about, or just any other stories you like to share? You've been so forthcoming, and I really appreciate you uh, giving me all of this wonderful information.
0: No, I think we covered it all. I mean, there's always going to be, you know, something else that I remember along the way, um, and then definitely other kids' perspectives. I'm sure that other people have other opinions on the show and what happened. But as as far as what I have to say, I think that you know, that's it. Awesome. Well, do you have any
1: social media that you'd like to plug?
0: No, I actually, I try to be, I mean, I'm I'm on TikTok. That's how you found me. (laughs) Honestly, I just did that for fun. Like, no, I don't even, I'm not an Instagram or a Twitter person, but thank you for asking. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah,
1: of course. All right. Well, have a great night. Thank you. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye. So a big thank you to Savannah once again for doing that little interview with me. I really, really appreciated it. Um, otherwise, we're just on to our very last question, which is, Is does the show hold up slash is it worth a rewatch? Um, and I would say, yeah, definitely worth a rewatch or a initial watch in the case of myself like it was really good I really really enjoyed watching it Um, like I said a couple of times I kind of got caught up in the editing and I thought it like was super inspiring and I was like maybe kids should be running our world maybe kids should be running the government Um, but obviously that's all a little bit of TV magic that makes it seem like that Kids should not be running the government. But it was still really fun to watch. It was a lot more interesting than I thought it would be. And it's really easily available on YouTube. So if anyone wants to watch it, just look it up that way. Um, But that's about it. Otherwise, you guys, thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to this show if you don't already. Uh, Give it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and all the other places. Tell a friend about the podcast. Um, and otherwise, you can find me on Facebook at Snapback to Reality Podcast, on Instagram at Snapback to Reality Pod, and my personal Instagram is at really underscore Riley, R Y L E E. And you can email me at snapbackpodcast at gmail.com. And I will talk to you guys next week. Bye.